Amen. All right, check this out. One, one day there was this lady, her name was Mildred, right? That's a good name. And uh, uh, she was this church gossip, right? Okay, not a good thing, but that's who she was. And she was apparently the self-appointed monitor of the church's morals, right? And she kept sticking her nose in everybody else's business, right? Okay, well, several members did not approve of her extracurricular activities, right? But they feared her enough to maintain their silence, right? Otherwise, she's going to gossip about them, right? Well, one day she made the mistake accusing this new member, this guy named Frank, of being an alcoholic, all because she saw his old pickup truck parked out in front of the town's only bar one afternoon. Didn't mean he was doing anything bad, just, but that's what she did. So she emphatically told Frank and a whole bunch of other people that everyone in town seeing his truck there would knew exactly what he was doing. Well, Frank, he was a man of few words, and he just stared at her for a moment there, and he just turned and walked away. In fact, he didn't even explain. He didn't defend. He didn't even deny it. He simply said nothing, and he just walked away. But later that night, Frank, he just uh, quietly parked his pickup truck right out in front of Mildred's house, walked home, and left it there all night long. <laughs> You gotta love Frank. Oh, hey. Hi, Frank. Oh, you guys are really funny today, aren't you? But that's right. Give it up for our sound crew. Yes. Awesome. That's right. We will be laying hands on you later. But anyway, that's right. Uh, Frank uh, is... But actually, that might have helped the joke out a little bit. Thank you for that. I do appreciate that. Okay, but here's the whole point. Uh, Frank not only is a cool guy. And by the way, that was for Turnabout's Fair Play. The week before, the ladies joke with the frog... We guys got it going on, all three of you brave guys. But anyway, that's right. But, uh, but the point is, I was Mildred. Oh, Mildred. Mildred, how many guys would say, unfortunately, is one of those people that had to learn your lesson the hard way, right? Okay, Frank, Frank taught it to you there. But believe it or not, folks, Mildred is not the only one who's learned lessons the hard way. Did you know that one day the whole planet, unfortunately, is going to learn a really hard lesson, and it goes something like this. Okay, one day they are going to wake up the next day. And they're not just going to see Frank's truck parked out in the road. They're going to see Frank gone. In fact, they're going to see Frank gone, and they're going to see a bunch of other Christians gone all over the planet at the same time. And all of a sudden, it's going to dawn on them, excuse me, oh no, I can't believe it. They've been left behind because they scoffed at the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Okay, and the Bible says you will be catapulted into the seven-year tribulation. And that is no joke. As we've been seeing, Jesus said that is the worst time in the history of mankind. Never to be repeated again. In fact, so horrible that if God didn't short the time frame, the entire human race would be destroyed. How many guys would say that's kind of bad? <laughs> yeah, exactly, okay. But praise God, God's not just a God of wrath. He's a God of love as well. And because he loves you and I, he's given us so many warning signs to let us know we don't know the exact day nor the hour, but because he loves us, he lets us know when the seven-year tribulation is getting close, which means the rapture is right around the corner. And you better be ready. Therefore, to keep you and I from experiencing the ultimate bad day, being left behind, even worse than messing with Frank and his truck. Okay, we're going to continue our study. The final countdown update. That's right. You got your little giddy up little thing going on there. You guys like that one? Hey, just for you, Ron. Thank you very much. And so far, we've seen the first three evidence on our final countdown study update. And we saw the Jewish people, the Antichrist, and last time we saw with modern technology. And we saw there clearly the Daniel, the prophet Daniel in chapter 12, he clearly said, you're going to see in the last days specifically, you're going to see this increase of travel all over the planet. And that's what we saw with driverless cars now, even planned trips to Mars, okay? He said, you're also going to see an increase of knowledge all over the planet, which right now is leading to a serious danger 
danger called singularity where there's an actual threat of machines, technology taking over the planet, just like Daniel said. And then we saw we even have the technology for the Antichrist to seemingly come back to life again and literally declare himself to be God. And that's an actual movement today called the transhumanist movement. And that's exactly what they believe they can do with technology. And that's exactly what the Antichrist is going to do during the seven-year tribulation. It's all happening in our our lifetime. Those are events that happen during the seven-year tribulation. So what's the point for you and I? How much closer then is the rapture of the church, which takes place prior to the seven-year tribulation? We don't know the day nor the hour, but how many guys would say it's it's looking like it's getting pretty close? You don't want to be goofing off in your walk with Jesus Christ. And if you're not saved, you need to respond today. This is no game. The fourth update on the final countdown studies you can read is none other than worldwide upheaval. Now turn to somebody and just lovingly say something like this. Boom! <laughs> okay, in love, of course. That's right. No, right? And that's exactly what the Bible says is going to happen to the planet. Boom! The planet is going to get messed up big time. I mean, big time right before Jesus comes back. And the first way that the Bible tells us that is you're going to see this massive increase of wars. And good thing we see no signs of that happening. I don't know why I'm into this chop thing today, but it's working for me. Okay, no, what, what? Turn on your TV. This is all over the place, okay? But again, let's listen to Jesus. He said this is going to be a clear-cut sign, man. You better get motivated. You're living in the last days. Matthew 24 is our opening text. Matthew 24. Uh, uh, Joey, Matthew was written by... Hey, give it up for intern Joe. Is he excelling or what? Dude, you're awesome. That's right. Matthew 24, Matthew 24, and we're going to read verses 3 through 8 as we've been here before. This is the classic passage where the disciples are asking Jesus the proverbial question. How do we know? How do we know it's getting close? What's some signs? What do we need to look out for if it's getting close, right? And so let's take a look at what Jesus says to his disciples in response to that question. Here's what he says. Now, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him, okay, privately, and they said this, well, well, tell us, Jesus, um... When will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered, watch out that no one what? Deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ. And will deceive absolutely no one because everybody's into the Bible nowadays. I'm sorry, wrong translation. Uh, Deceive many. Okay, then what? You're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. But see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Then what? Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There's going to be famines and earthquakes in various places. And believe it or not, you ain't seen nothing yet. All these are just the beginning of birth pains. That's bad enough, but it's going to get worse is what that is basically telling you and I. But as we saw in our text, and we've seen this before, right after Jesus' very first warning of deceit there, what's the very next thing he said is a sign you really are in that generation. You're living in the last days. You're going to see wars. You're going to see rumors of wars. You're going to see uh, nations rising up against nations, kingdom against kingdoms all over the planet, right? And again, a scoffer might look at this passage and say, well, so what? Big deal. So war s'mores. We've always had wars. Now, as we saw before, when you do the research, not like today, not at all like today. It is escalating exactly like Jesus says. In the last century alone, we have seen nothing short of an explosion of worldwide wars, Okay. In fact, we saw that more people have been killed in wars in the previous century than any other time in the history of mankind. It's escalating, obviously, on a global scale, exactly like 
Jesus said. Now, what we saw last time, and this is what I want to get into today, because of the rise of wars and uh, rumors of wars and nations and kingdoms going against each other, what comes along with them is the armies and the technology that is developed out of that. Okay, And because of that, because of this rise of wars and the inventions and technology and the events that go along with it, I think we're starting to see the fulfillment of other passages of Scripture. And the first one I think that this increase of wars is leading to is the creation of a super war or the Gog and Magog prophecy, Okay, which many believe is going to be World War III. Now, let's take a look again at that text, Ezekiel 38, verses 1 through 6. Now, as we read this, keep in mind, Ezekiel prophesied this nearly 2,600 years ago. And here's what he says. How do you know you're in the last days? Okay, He says this, The word of the Lord came to me, son of man. Set your face against Gog of the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. Prophesy against him and say this, This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against you, O Gog, chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. He says that. He says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to turn you around. I'm going to put hooks in your jaws. I'm going to bring you out with your whole army, your horses, your horsemen fully armed, a great horde with large and small shields, all of them brandishing their swords. Ah, ha, 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 we're going to get you. Really? Persia, Cush, and Put will be with them, all with shields and helmets, also Gomer uh, with all its troops, and Beth to Gormah from the far north with all its troops, the many nations with you. God's going to take every single one of you guys out, okay? And what we saw before with this passage, I don't have time to go into it completely, it's not my whole point on this, is this is the famous Gog and Magog prophecy. It continues on throughout chapter 38 here on through chapter 39. And you see that God completely makes desolation of these people. And the reason why he does that is because these people are a confederation of nations that God's not pleased with. So he takes them out. Why? Because they're all specifically ganging up in the last days to try to take his people Israel out. When are you ever going to learn that lesson? Don't mess with Israel. God is not done with them, okay? The scripture is very clear with that. Now, again, the key to understanding how close we are fulfilling this 2,600-year-old prophecy, which, again, many believe is going to be World War III, is you have to do your homework, okay, and figure out, well, who in the world are these nations that Ezekiel mentioned here, right? And that's common sense, because how many guys took your last vacation and put? I personally don't like to stay there, because once you're there, you never get out. You stay put. That's for you, Cheryl. Okay. If any, hey, let's close in prayer. Hey, where's that noise again? No. Okay. Uh, uh, but, but seriously, I mean, how many guys, you skipped the Bahamas, John, and you went, hey, honey, let's go to Beth Tagorma. Yo! Right? All right. Well, see, that's what they were called back then. So if you're going to understand how close it is today, you've got to obviously do your homework, right? And we saw before when you do the homework, the modern day nations are this. Magog is Russia. North of the Caspian Sea. Now pay attention. These are the confederation of nations in the last days who's going to go against Israel. Russia, Magog, is going to work with Turkey, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Iran, Ethiopia, Somalia, Sudan, Libya, Syria, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, and Lebanon all coming against Israel to try to take her out. Good thing there's no signs of that in the news. Are you kidding me? Russia, right now, Magog, is on the move again. Right? Before our very eyes. And Russia is arming a lot of these nations with weaponry, even nuclear capabilities. And they're all coming to pass. Even this latest Ukraine issue that Russia is working on, folks, coming down from the north. Many are feeling, hey, folks, you're making this prophecy come alive. Let's take a look at that. 
The crisis in Ukraine and Russia's aggressive actions may have greater implications than security in, U in Europe. Many believe Vladimir Putin has global ambitions and they point to the role Russia plays in biblical prophecy. President Vladimir Putin, back in 2008, he invades uh, Georgia. Now he has, in essence, taken control of Crimea, made it part of the Russian map. What is his, his ultimate goal? One thing that's clear about Vladimir Putin, when you go back into his life, is he doesn't see himself simply as the, the president of Russia. He sees himself as a czar. Uh, he wants to rebuild the glory of Mother Russia. And the czars, my, my family were Orthodox Jews that escaped under Tsar Nicholas II. We have a bad history with the, with the czars. The czars are imperialists. They want to expand. Mm -hmm. And as you say, Putin has not been stopped in any of these excursions. I think he's probing, and I think he will take more the moment he thinks he can get it. Let's talk about uh, biblical prophecy. I know you've written so much, and it's also part of the things that you keep uh, you know, very close uh, eye on. What does the Bible say about Israel and, and Russia? Well, it's very interesting that probably the main prophecy is Ezekiel 38-39, uh, which is known as the War of Gog and Magog. A Russian dictator rises in what's called Magog, teams up with Persia, what we know as Iran. Now, people have asked me, you know, do you think Vladimir Putin is this evil dictator Gog of which the Bible speaks? It's too early to yeah. make a conclusion like that. Is, is Putin Gog-esque? Yes, I think that is a fair statement. He is a dictator. He is rising. He is building an alliance with Iran. Putin is selling uh, arms to Iran. He's selling nuclear technology to Iran. Mm -hmm. He's defending Iran at the UN uh, amidst this whole scenario. Many Jews in Ukraine are fearful of the growing Russian uh, intrusion. Clearly, there is some questions about some of the groups that were involved in the uprising, the protests in, in Ukraine. But do they have a reason to be concerned, like the Crimeans? Are concerned. They should be concerned. In many ways, I think they should be on planes heading to Israel. Mm. Well, why would you need to be on a plane to head back to Israel if you're a Jewish person? Uh, because if you read the Old Testament, you read the Bible, you're going to see that Ezekiel prophesied 2,600 years ago that uh, Russia is going to help the Islamic nations of Turkey, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Iran, Ethiopia, Somalia, Sudan, Libya, Syria, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, all to try to destroy you. And you better get home quick and get under the shield of God. How do you know you're living the last days? Can I tell you something? Just turn on the news right now. We don't know the day, we don't know the hour. But folks, this was prophesied 2,600 years ago, and it's coming to life now. What more does God got to do to get our attention? Amen? But that's not all. The second passage that I believe is coming alive with these rise of wars is the creation of a super hideout. This is totally a guy thing. Okay? A super hideout. People are going to try to hide out from God's wrath in the last days. How many guys would say that's probably not a smart thing to do? Because you can't escape it, except... Through Jesus Christ. But let's take a look at that passage where it tells us this is going to happen during the first half of the seven year tribulation. Revelation chapter 6, verse 12 through 17. John says this Now I watch as he opened the sixth seal, and there was this great earthquake. And because of it, the sun turned black like sackcloth, made of goat hair. The whole moon turned blood red, and the stars uh, in the sky fell to earth. Lord willing, maybe in a couple of weeks, we'll get into that more detail. As late figs drop from a fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. Now, the sky receded like a scroll, rolling up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. That's a huge earthquake. That's not just part of California. That's not just in Japan. Every mountain and island was shaken by this earthquake. It's massive. Then, what was the response of the people, though, during the seven-year tribulation? 
the kings of the earth, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, every slave, every free man, what? Hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they called on the mountains and the rocks, fall on us, hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Why? For the great day of the wrath has come and who can stand? Whoa! Hey, that was pretty cool. We didn't even plan that one. That was neat. Okay. But folks, what we see in our text here is during the seven-year tribulation of all things for the Bible to record is the people's behavior during this judgment, during the sealed judgments, okay, from God. The wrath of the Lamb being poured out on the planet. And it says of all things that people are going to try to do is they're not just going to try to hide, but the Bible specifically tells us how and where they're going to hide. It didn't say there, and they all ran to Walmart, right? It didn't say they all went to the garage and put padding around it. No, it specifically said everybody, rich and slave, mighty, generals, princes, everybody went to hide in the mountains, in the caves, in other words, holes in the ground, Right? Now, if you were here last time we went through this passage in the final countdown study, we saw that that's happening today with the rise of wars and rumors of wars and the nations and the governments, the militaries around the world right now, all across the planet, not just the U.S., are building these underground bunkers to hide away from some sort of catastrophe called dumbs, a deep underground military uh, bases, okay? And yes, it is dumb, again, to unfortunately try to hide away from God's wrath, Okay, but that's not what it stands for. Okay, you take the way out through Jesus. That would be a smart, build a smart plan. Okay, that'll preach. If you can't make that preach, Joe, you ain't got no preaching. But no pressure. Thanks for sitting on the front row. Okay, but it's dumb, okay? And, but that's what they're doing. Now, here's the whole point. Listen to this. This is what's so wild. What did the text say? The text didn't say just the kings, just the princes, just the generals, the rich, and the mighty would build these holes in the ground, these bunkers, to escape some sort of global catastrophe that they feel is coming. What did it say? It specifically said every slave, every free man. Can I translate that for you? The average Joe would start building these bunkers, hide in the ground to escape some horrible event that is coming. Well, folks, believe it or not, did you know that's happening right now? It's gone way past. Have you paid? They're even making little uh, reality shows about it. Everybody, not just the militaries, not just the governments, everybody's building these holes in the ground to escape from something. Now, if you are constructionally challenged like myself, don't worry. It's such a trend nowadays that you can buy your own spot in luxury. Watch this. Preparing for the worst by setting yourself up with only the best. We're talking luxurious kitchens, swimming pools, even a gym. These are bunkers built just in case of an emergency. Tonight, CBS2 takes you inside luxury survival. Bomb shelters like this were a common sight in backyards in the Cold War 1950s. As this promotional video shows, today's backyard survival bunker looks more like a five-star resort, equipped with everything from an indoor pool and state-of-the-art movie theater to a dog run, even an interactive classroom, all underground. They could live here and enjoy the facility, not just survive. Survive whatever may come, in comfort, whether it's a natural disaster or future terror attack. 
It was part of the selling point. New Jersey resident Ralph Henrich paid to reserve space in this underground luxury bunker for his family, his wife, and three kids. The cost, $50,000 per adult and $35,000 for children under 16. That's nearly $200,000 for an average family of four. Leather sofas, high-end kitchens, comfortable bedrooms. Several companies now design and build these high-end shelters. Some are private, made for individual families. But Henrich chose a community shelter created by Vivos with dozens of other people. It's like an apartment complex that can hold up to 80 people. It's fully stocked with a year's worth of food, toiletries, linens, medical supplies, ATVs, and so much more. The massive 10,000-square-foot shelter has all the comforts of home, but built 65 feet below ground with reinforced concrete and steel. Well, that should do it. And that's not, okay, it's a little, a little pricey, but hey, it's worth the investment, isn't it? Uh, we can... It, now, 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 put all this together. This is, this is what blew me away. Of all things for the Bible to record for us, every jot, every tittle, every passage is there for a reason. God called it out. He said, how do you know you're living in the last days? You're going to see this weird trend on the planet. Okay? And you're going to see some people do some strange behavior. You're going to see the kings, you're going to see the princes, the general, the rich, the mighty, the slave, the free, the average Joe start building holes in the ground to try to escape some horrible event that they feel is coming. Now, here's the point. That takes place at the first half of the seven-year tribulation where it culminates and they realize, oops, I guess it ain't working. I wasted my money. And they didn't take the smart way out, the only way out through Jesus Christ, Right? But that happens during the first half of the seven-year tribulation. Therefore, if we have the technology and the trend happening now, how much closer is the rapture of the church which takes place prior? That's our motivation point, okay? Well, let's continue on. The third passage coming to life due to the increase of wars is the creation of a super beast. That's right. Don't eat chicken. You'll end up like these two guys here. You swell up, especially in the heat. Okay, I was excited about that graphic. But anyway, that's right. Let's move on. A super beast. The Bible talks about some beasts you better look on the, be on the lookout for in the seven-year tribulation. You don't want to be there. Okay, escape it through Jesus. Revelation chapter 6, verse 7 through 8 says this. When the Lamb opened the fourth seal now, okay, uh, he says, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, come. And I looked, and there before me was this pale horse, and its rider was named Death, and Hades was falling close behind him. Okay, they were given, listen, a power over how much of the planet? One fourth of the earth to what? To kill them. How? Specifically, by sword, by famine, by plague, and by the wild beasts of the earth. Once again, God is very specific with how one fourth of the planet gets annihilated in the first half. And again, in the second half, you see that another third of the planet gets taken out. But this is the first half, and one-fourth of the planet is going to get wiped out, specifically by sword, famine, plague, and wild beasts. Now, here's the point. I can see the sword thing, right? Okay, this is coming in context after the second uh, horse rider, the red horse rider, a global war is going to break out just before this. So I can see the sword thing. I can see the famine thing. I can see the plague thing. Okay, but who in the world is worried about wild beasts nowadays? Right? Even though I know my wiener dogs strike terror in the hearts of everybody that come to my house. Okay, whatever. Uh, but, uh, but, I mean, no, I mean, wild beasts, unless you live in Africa, right? In the jungle. Or, you know, if you get too close to the bars in the zoo. Woo, you know, wild beasts typically are not a big concern to us, right? So why in the world did God mention wild beasts? 
And why would that be a concern? And they're going to play a part in killing one-fourth of the planet? What? Well, as we saw before, if the environmental movement gets their way, right? We saw that they got this thing out there called the Biodiversity Treaty, which is where they want to actually rewild America and other countries too. And they want to turn America back into one giant natural game preserve. And we all, whoever's left alive, they determine, gets to stay up in these little apartment complexes, mostly shoved up against the coasts. But the rest of America is a giant game preserve. So if they got their way and they pull that off, and that's not make-believe, folks. Check it out yourself. Then you could see an increase of wild animals again, right? And so, so maybe that's what John saw. Maybe these are the wild animals that are going to help take out one-fourth of the planet. Because, you know, again, the famine hits. Not only people are going to get hungry, but so will the animals. I'm looking for a meal, right? So, so maybe that is. Maybe that's what it is. But it just so happens for the first time in mankind's history, and thanks to the rise of wars and the technology that comes with them, maybe John saw something, a wild beast, a little bit more technological. You see, it just so happens that one of the biggest developers for new technology and new weaponry uh, for the military is an organization called DARPA, okay? Uh, Lord willing, we'll get into this again when we get into the Mark of the Beast and some of the technology that's being worked on there. But DARPA stands for the Defense Advanced Research Project Agency, Okay, and they come up with all kinds. I've spent all day just on some of the wild technology they're coming up with. But all kinds of wild, futuristic technology, a weaponry for today's soldiers. Okay? And one of their latest developments happens to be a robotic pack animal, okay, that they call Big Dog. Okay? Let's take a look at Big Dog. a moment of truth at Sunrise Baptist Church. How many guys, you're walking down the road, mind your own business, here comes that thing chasing you. How many guys would scream like a little girl and run? <laughs> right? I mean, that's kind of cool. Okay, I could sure use that on Sunday mornings with all the camera gear. Okay, but apparently I get here too early. But anyway, so, <laughs> excuse me, big dog. I mean, it's kind of cool, right? Kind of creepy. Okay, I'll stick to my wiener dogs personally. Okay, but folks, I'm telling you, that's the tip of the iceberg. Okay, they're building all kinds of DARPA, but also other entities are building all kinds of robotic animals and critters for all kinds of different purposes. It's a whole new trend. Let's take a look at some other critters they're working on.
It moves just like a spider does in terms of distributing its forward motion across its legs. So their big technology is the controller board and the algorithms to coordinate all the leg movements. Yes, but the algorithms that control the leg movements are not just walk forward, walk backwards, turn left, turn right. It's actually far more advanced than that. Okay, let me get this straight. Big dog, little dog, big bug, little bug, big nasty old spider. Ugh, I hate spiders, okay? Oh, how many of you guys thought the bugs in Vegas were bad enough? You know what I'm saying? Man, that's pretty creepy, okay? But you might be thinking, well, Pastor Billy, hey, that's kind of cool. Okay, where in the world are you going with all this? Okay? Well, folks, I'm telling you, put two and two together. Let's go back to our text. Remember what John said. Put all this together. He saw wild beasts. They were taken apart specifically in not shaking the hand of a fourth of the earth, but killing one-fourth of the earth, okay? It just so happens that it's not just a trend to start building robotic beasts and animals, but they're now working on, DARPA is working on one that is a robotic cheetah. You know, a wild animal. And this robotic cheetah can hunt you down and take you out. Watch this. This is wild. First, let's start with who is in charge of technology developments for the military. That is the U.S. Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, or DARPA, an agency that is the stuff of, of uh, mystery novels. Uh, and recently, we've noticed they've been beefing up on robots. Most recently, they contracted with Boston Dynamics to create a cheetah robot. Check that out. Look at this drawing. It's a four-legged robot that reportedly runs faster than the fastest human. will be able to zigzag and take tight turns in order to, quote, chase and evade. It'll also be able to make sudden stops and could end up with a tail. Or maybe a gun. Or who knows what else they want to put on that baby to take you out. Now, I'm leaving that pitch up there for a reason because, I don't know, I'm not going to say, thus saith the Lord or anything. But did you catch what this thing will be able to do? Not just sudden stops, woo, not just evade, but to chase you. And so John said, in the last days, you're going to see one-fourth of the planet get taken out by these swords and by these famines and these plagues and these wild beasts. Could it be for the first time in the history of mankind since John saw that 2,000 years ago, maybe we're seeing one of the wild beasts that he saw that was going to be leashed on the planet to take one-fourth of the mankind down? Maybe it's a natural beast. Maybe it's technological. But either way, we're living in the days when they're both becoming a reality. Isn't that wild? The days that we live in and the technology. Okay, but that's not all. The final one is this. The fourth passage that I believe is coming alive due to this increase of wars is the creation of a super soldier. That's right. Iron Man, eat your heart out. Okay, let's take a look at what people are going to be doing during the seven-year tribulation. One of the ultimate sad uh, uh, deceptions that Satan's going to pull off at the end of the seven-year tribulation. Revelation 16, verse 13 through 14 to 16 says this. Then I saw three evil spirits that looked like frogs. They came out of the mouth of the dragon, or Satan, out of the mouth of the beast, the Antichrist, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Now, they are spirits of demons performing miraculous signs, and they go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them for the battle on the great day of God Almighty. Then they gather the kings together to place uh, in the place in Hebrew is called Armageddon. 
Now, this is at the end of the seven-year tribulation. It's Satan's final deceit that's going on there. Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet all work together one more time to dupe the whole planet, listen, to take on God at the Battle of Armageddon. Now, I know it's getting late, but how many guys would say that's probably one of the dumbest things you could ever do? You know what I'm saying? To take on God and actually think you're going to win? That's the ultimate lesson of futility. That's like trying to get me to eat chicken. I don't care what you do, it just ain't going to happen, right? And so I'm sitting here and I've always sat on this passage going, well, come on. Who in the right mind? I understand it's Satan. I understand it's the Antichrist and the false prophet. But who in the right mind is not just going to dupe? I can see a couple people. But who is going to dupe the whole planet into taking on God thinking you're actually going to win? Well, folks, can you say DARPA to the rescue? We're going to go on another little journey and follow with me, okay? Uh, you see, DARPA's not only working on creating super beasts for the super soldiers. They're working on super soldiers themselves. And they're working on the technology to give the average soldier superhuman capabilities. I mean, with some mind-blowing, literally, as we're going to see, superhero capabilities. So they could take on anybody. Maybe even God. You see, the first thing that they're working on is to make mankind soldiers superhuman in strength with these things called exoskeletons, literally make mankind to a Hulk, okay? In fact, that's why it's called Hulk, H-U-L-C. Let's take a look at that. Hulk is an anthropomorphic exoskeleton which mimics the human form. It provides extra support that enables a person to carry more weight than they normally could. Exoskeleton technologies are considered part of the robotics field. If you want to think about them as wearable robots, that's pretty accurate. This technology could be a real benefit to the military. Just imagine you're a soldier operating at 6,000 feet in the Afghan mountains and being asked to take 120 pounds up in that level of thin air. How exhausted you would be once you got there. An exoskeleton provides the ability to carry that weight the same distance, but to have energy left to execute the mission once you're there. Whoa, I could use one of those. Wes, where you at, buddy? You and me, we'll go and have on one, right? We'll split it every other weekend. Get those from my wiener dogs. We got a force to reckon with. <laughs> Can you believe that? Okay, now, now that's just the tip of the iceberg. See, that's just the, the making you superhuman strength. Okay, turning a man into literally a robot. But they're also working on the military, superhuman protection. And it's a system called Talos. Watch what this baby will do for the soldier. A new type of suit being manufactured for the U.S. Army will not only help keep troops safer, but also make them look like something straight out of a movie. <laughs> I mean, how much more awesome does it get than a real-life Iron Man? The Army has commissioned a tactical assault light operator suit which would provide superhuman abilities like night vision, enhanced strength, and protection from gunfire. Each suit would have an onboard computer. This is Talos that can ward off explosions, seal wounds. Talos would also be climate-controlled. 
to withstand extreme heat or cold. How cool is that? And according to the Army's official website, scientists at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology are currently developing liquid body armor that transforms from liquid to solid in milliseconds when a magnetic field or electrical current is applied. Though still in development, this technology will likely be submitted to support Talos. Here's a more realistic look. Iron Man or not, that's one bad mamma jamma. <laughs> Isn't that wild? All right, Wes, you get that too. We're going to have you up here right before the next potluck, and you're going to look everybody square in the face and say, come to the next potluck. We'll have the greatest attendance ever. You know what I'm saying? People will be really encouraged to come. But whoa, I mean, what's happening there? It's like a real life Iron Man, okay? I mean, you start putting this technology together, give us superhuman strength, superhuman protection. I mean, pretty soon you're going to feel like I could take anybody on, maybe even God. And, and, and speaking of superhuman abilities in Iron Man and Hollywood, has anybody noticed that, man, there's all kinds of superhero movies out there? There are tons of them, man, and they're not stopping. They keep cranking them babies out week after week. I mean, it's almost like Hollywood's being used once again to prepare us for some sort of a reality. Maybe a reality where super soldiers really are given the technology to literally become a superhero to rescue us from some sort of global catastrophe coming our way. Even this guy gets it. Watch what they're working on. Let's take a look. Since all of us were kids, we've always been told by our parents that what we see in comics isn't real. For instance, when I was six, I tried climbing up the second story banister and my mom yelled at me, what do you think, you're Spider-Man or something? Get off that. Spider-Man's not real. But... Today I'm going to talk about DARPA, the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, and how they're working on making soldiers into pretty much real-life superheroes. So, take that, parents. The Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency is working on a super soldier program, a $3 billion super soldier program to be exact. The project got started to help make a metabolically dominant soldier. So, in layman's terms, the military is studying on how to use technology and biology to combine man, machine, and science to transcend the limits of the human body. What they're working on, they're working on gear, gadgets, and suits that are things Tony Stark would make. The wearable gear would enable running at 100 meter Olympic sprinter speeds for hours on end, along with giving the person a seven foot vertical leap. The capability of wall crawling, which being the huge Spider-Man fan I am, I say heck yeah to that one. Also flight and enhanced strength, which is probably the two top things people would want if asked what superpowers they could have. Not to mention invisibility and being able to carry huge weapons on your back, kind of like War Machine. But I did say this was a super soldier program, meaning they're trying to alter the genes within our bodies to make humans stronger and superhuman without the help of gadgets. And I meant what I said, because I don't lie. And also because they're doing just that. They're working on drugs and genetic enhancements and some technology that would allow for regeneration, just like Lizard from Spider-Man, faster healing just like Wolverine, enhanced strength just like Captain America, and even something that would make you like the God of Thunder Thor, where you can operate without sleep for days without lack of performance. What's also a major focus is helping soldiers' body to deal better with trauma and physical injury. One idea in development is a pain vaccine. Researchers are hopeful that these vaccines will be able to block the senses of pain for almost a month. It would block the pain in less than 10 seconds. So let's say you're in war and you get stabbed. You would only feel the pain for less than 10 seconds before the vaccine kicks in. And then boom, no more pain. DARPA says they have already hit its first milestones in animal testing and are preparing reports for scientific conferences. Which means they're getting close to unleashing it. Did you notice all the superheroes that were mentioned there? 
Did you notice all the technology that's working on giving us that same kind of capability? Superhuman strength, superhuman endurance, superhuman protection, superhuman flight, superhuman pain tolerance, just like Iron Man, just like Spider-Man, just like Captain America, Wolverine, and even War Machine. How in the world? How in the world is Satan, the Antichrist, the false prophet, come on, going to dupe the whole world into taking on God at the Battle of Armageddon? You give me a break. Well, he says deceit. It's going to deceive the whole world. Well, of course you don't say, hey, hey, everybody, let's gather together. You see that hole in the sky that's starting to form? That's God. That's the sky of heaven coming, breaking forth, and Jesus Christ is coming back at the second coming. Don't say that. When you see the cloud begin to part like that, you say, hey, that's an alien threat from another world. They're the ones who are responsible for all this tribulation. But if mankind, we all work together and we throw all of our superhuman, superhero technology at it, we can win. Now, that's not just plausible. But did anybody watch the ending of the superhero movie, The Avengers? Was this propaganda to get in people's minds for a future that's coming at the seven-year tribulation that mankind could rise up and save the day from an alien threat coming from the sky? Let's take a look at that scene. Copy? I can shut the portal down. Do it! No, wait. Stark, these things are still coming. I got a nuke coming in. It's gonna blow in less than a minute. And I know just where to put it. Stark, you know that's a one-way trip. Save the rest for the turn, Jay. So. happened well don't you understand you just saved mankind you, you just saved mankind with all your nifty technology that takes a person and turns them into a superhero from an alien threat from another world we won Woo! revelation 19 starts off like this i saw it's jesus christ coming back at the second coming i saw heaven standing open 
a hole is going to appear in the sky. And Jesus Christ is coming back with the heavenly host. They're not alien. He's going to come from another dimension called the spirit realm. But don't tell people that. Tell them it's an alien threat. And we've got to band together and save humanity with all of our technology. Is it really that far-fetched? Or is Hollywood once again leading mankind to the greatest bloodbath? Because according to the book of Revelation, it isn't even going to be a battle and mankind isn't going to win. Revelation 14 says, They were trampled in the wine press outside the city and blood flowed out of the press, rising as high as the horse's bridles for a distance of 1,600 stadia. That's blood that flows for four feet deep for 200 miles. Turn to somebody and say, Tony Stark, loser. You're not going to whip up on God. But that's how evil Satan is. He dupes mankind to doing it anyway. He just puts a twist on it and Hollywood's there to help him out. I close with the words of these guys. Number one, if you're a Christian, it's time to get motivated. This isn't just for our motivation. This is if you care about the people who are headed for this time of delusion and horror, get busy sharing Jesus Christ with them so they can escape the whole mess. Amen? But if you're not a Christian, you're here today, I want to share in closing these words this guy says about the final battle, the battle of Armageddon, where the Bible says God not only wins, he calls the birds of the air to come and eat your flesh. You don't want to be around for that supper. He says this. He says, when our Lord was on the earth the first time, he told his disciples of a great feast to which all men were invited to come freely. Love set the table and compassion was there to serve. Grace sat as host and joy poured the wine. For almost 2,000 years, the Lord has sent out his servants, crying out the invitation to anyone, one and all. But for almost 2,000 years, men, for the most part, have rejected that love that invited them and despised the grace that pleaded with them. The Lord is the God of patience, but patience will not be mocked forever. The day of wrath will come. And those who have refused to call of grace to the banquet of love must themselves be the victims of another great supper where their flesh will be picked clean by the fowls of the air. In other words, you can sup with Jesus now and escape the whole mess. Or you can reject him and sup with Satan at the battle of Armageddon if you live that long. Where the birds will dine on your flesh. I'm thinking eating with Jesus is a much better way to go. How about you? Amen. Let's close in prayer. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get a Life Ministries. And I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? You see, here's the problem. The Bible says that nobody automatically gets to go to heaven, and that's because God is holy and we are not. The Bible says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness or the wrong things that we have done have separated us from God. And the wages of our sin or unholiness uh, means that we deserve to die and receive God's judgment to go to hell and not heaven. In other words, we're disqualified for heaven. And that's because God being holy and us being not, the two cannot mix. So what are we going to do? Well, that's bad enough. The other problem is we don't even want to admit this dilemma, even though God already knows it all. 
And so out of love, God gave us something called the Ten Commandments to show us that we're really disqualified for heaven. We're not holy. We're not perfect like him. Uh, Let's take a a look at just a few of those uh, here today. Uh, The Bible says, the Ten Commandments says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. How many of you ever told a lie before? Well, those of you who didn't raise your hand, you just did. Okay, let's be honest, folks. Let's not tell another lie. We've all lied. Well, believe it or not, that disqualifies you for heaven. That's how holy God is. He is the truth. He does not lie. And so that makes us a liar. Another of the Ten Commandments says you shall not steal. Okay, how many have ever taken anything without permission? Well, all of our hands should have went up at that one. Uh, We've already said we're a bunch of liars. Okay, well, we've all done that. And it doesn't have to be a bank. Uh, It could be a pencil in the third grade. Uh, That means that we're a thief. Okay, the Bible says that God is so holy, even his name is holy. And that's why one of the Ten Commandments says you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. Hey, folks, isn't it ironic how uh, now the blessed name of Jesus Christ, the Bible says there's no other name under heaven by which men might be saved, Jesus Christ, has now become a cuss word? Folks, the Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy, okay? And folks, let's be honest, we've used God's name in vain uh, before. The Bible also says in the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus takes the standard even higher. He says, listen, it's not just physical adultery. He says, surely I tell you, That if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. God looks at the heart. One more out of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible says that the sin of hatred is akin to the sin of murder. You, in other words, in your heart, wish they were dead. You pulled the trigger, if you will, in your own heart. And the Bible says God sees that and it's just as bad. He knows the mind, he knows the heart, the thoughts, and the intents that we have. Folks, that's just five out of the Ten Commandments. How are you doing? Not very well. None of us can keep them. They're God's x-ray to show us that we're disqualified. And so when, not if, your time comes, because we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, you're going to have to stand before God, and you're going to have to uh, say who you really are. He already knows. Hey, God, let me into heaven. Uh, I'm, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer, adulterer, and a murderer. Folks, the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's the problem. Here's the good news. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him, what he did on the cross, on our behalf, that we will not perish, we will not go to hell, but he will give us the gift of eternal life. Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of all of our sins. It's something that we don't earn. We, we, we can't earn. It's a gift, the Bible calls it. And a gift cannot be earned. He was taking the death penalty in our place. That's what the cross was of the day. And that if we would just ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins and believe that in our heart that God raised him from the grave, showing that his death is satisfactory to God to forgive us of all of our sins, no matter what we've done, the Bible says, we shall be saved. Uh, The Apostle Paul says that if we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the grave, we will be saved. Let me give you a common analogy of what God's doing and what he did for us with Jesus dying on the cross on our behalf. Uh, In life, we know that people uh, can be sentenced for a crime uh, to where they're actually on death row. Uh, The courtroom scene has completely finished. 
The gavel has already sounded. Uh, they are going to jail and they're just awaiting their time before they go to the death penalty. Uh, as they're sitting there in the jail cell, uh, it, it's a proven fact. They did what they did. Everybody knows it. They're just waiting for that time for their uh, number to come up, so to speak, and walk down that hall and be executed. Uh, there's nothing they could do to reverse their crime. No amount of good works in that jail cell can reverse what they've done. It's too late. It's over. But believe it or not, there's one way that people even today can get off a death row. And that's if the one in authority, the governor, if he were to, out of mercy and kindness, nothing that the person did because they don't earn it and they don't deserve it and they can't earn it. If he would grant them what's called a pardon, out of the kindness of his heart, he has the authority to grant them a pardon and absolve them completely of their crimes uh, against the state. And did you know that there's actually been people that this has happened to, that the governor, out of mercy, has granted them a pardon as a gift, and they've gone down to the jail cell and handed that person, extended it through the bars, here, I'm granting you a pardon. If you would just receive it, you can go free right now. And did you know that there's actually been people who've said, no, I don't want your pardon. And so what happened is of their own doing, even though they had a way out, they still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, can I tell you something? That's what God did for us with Jesus dying on the cross. He sent his son to take the death penalty in our place. He, God, has the authority to grant us through Jesus a complete pardon. And every day that you're still alive, God is extending to you spiritually this pardon. But a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it by faith. Won't you do that today? Won't you call upon the name of Jesus Christ? Ask him to forgive you of all of your sins, to trust in his work on the cross, to pardon us from all of our crimes, our sins against God. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But there's only one way to heaven. It's Jesus. There's only one way to get off a death row. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ. Won't you do that? right now well this has been pastor billy crone of sunrise baptist church and and get a life ministries and if there's anything that we can do for you uh please don't hesitate uh to contact us uh our number our information will uh come up here on the screen shortly and uh, uh if there's anything we could do for you please don't hesitate to let us know uh thank you for uh joining us and uh remember i hope to see you in heaven god bless Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.